great day, amazing human. Welcome to the Empowered In My Skin podcast, where our mission is to help 1 billion people in this world think in more empowering ways. Empower humans, empower humans. So you are in the right spot to become a lead domino for empowerment today. My name is Inke Chi. I'm not only your host, but I am a vibrant optimist obsessed to bring you empowering content with each episode. We will be bringing you content alternating between longer episodes with feature guests and shorter episodes called Empowering Bites, where I'll be joined by my co-host, Gabby Mamone. So if you're ready, let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. Yes, our next guest is one who has overcome barriers to make their mark in the field of diversity, inclusion, equity, and accessibility. It is their understanding that their professional purpose must be to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to be successful regardless of barriers in their way. A 2020 graduate from Sheridan College, they wrote Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act policies, practices, and procedures for a nonprofit organization and made sure they were compliant and were in the situation where they could better train their employees to work alongside and provide support to clients with disabilities. They have since started speaking and consulting with other companies on how to be more accessible and inclusive from a human approach and how to empower and recruit more diverse individuals through the lens of intersectionality, which drove them to start a company called Accessible Creates. Since then, they have spoken at numerous events, speaking about all sorts of diversity and inclusion topics for neurodiversity at work, creating an inclusive culture, and the importance of intersectionality. Let's extend a hearty (laughs) podcast welcome to Sydney Elaine Butler. (laughs) Hello, Sydney. Thank you so much for having me. You have such a great smile. She has such a great smile. I've been been told it my whole life. I love it. So this this is my first question. I'm sorry, Neezy. Mm -hmm. What was your most empowered thought that you had today? I think the most empowered thought is so I recently started um, started a contract with a company that when I was 14 years old, I wanted to work with, but in a different capacity. When I was younger, I thought I would be an environmentalist and this capacity is an environment-based company. And now I'm, I'm working with them to make sure they have more diverse hiring practices. And I'm just like, my, my inner teenager is like, wow, we're really, we're really doing the thing. You're doing so it. So. <laughs> I love it. You're in, you're doing it. You're not just, not just saying that you're doing it. I love it. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about your business, mm-hmm. Accessible Crates, and what got you to start it? Yeah. So I studied human resources at school and while I was in school, I saw, you know, there was so many different aspects of HR. There's training and development, there's recruitment, there's performance management. I was when I was learning about these things, and even in my experience, in the uh, when I was working in the job, I was working in a recreational center. Um, I saw that you know my employees, the employee, my fellow employees, were being inclusive and being mindful to people with disabilities that are also their coworkers. Even though my job at that time was supporting people with disabilities in the in, in the, these recreational programs, and so I was like, okay, interesting. How does that disconnect between how they treat their fellow colleagues versus how they treat the participants? And while I was studying human resources at school, I was like, HR practices are not very accessible and inclusive to people with disabilities, and especially the intersectionality of being biracial mm-hmm. or being racialized individual, you know, all these different things. 
And so I graduated during the pandemic, during 2020. And so you can imagine how difficult that was. And I started working at an HR startup. He wanted to change the HR game by having it as an app for people that don't have an HR department. I was like, again, I'm passionate about accessibility within HR. He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> That's kind of the background. Let's focus on this. I'm like, you can't have authentic, be authentic in your approach unless you focus on this as well. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be such a huge niche that a lot of people don't focus on. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, they lost funding, unfortunately. And then I worked at another company called Skills for Change. I can't believe it's going to be two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I spoke at, for them. Um, it was July, which is Disability Pride Month. And I did a talk with them about Disability Pride. What does it look like in the organization? That's also where I wrote the AOD policies for the nonprofit. And I was like, huh, I, like, I love HR. And I was learning so much about HR. But I was like, I think I have this niche where I can better help people and I'm passionate. This is what I'm most passionate about. And I want to do what I'm passionate about because that was like, life's too short. And so understanding that all my unique skill sets. And so I started my company to do so and fill my goals. <laughs> I love that. And how'd you come up with the name? I love it. Yeah. So I, when I first came up with it, I actually thought I was also going to do bracelets. Mm. Um, and so that kind of fizzled out. Uh, I was like, okay, I want to do bracelets for like promoting well-being and mental health well-being. And then, so it was like, that, that was the creative aspect. And so, and, and, you know, making sure that things are accessible, so accessible creates. Um, but then now, so now I've actually made accessible creates create more access. Mm-hmm. And so it still works, you know, kind mm-hmm. of like the entendre mm-hmm. of, you know, creating those spaces, creating those environments that are suitable and accessible for people. I love that. I love that. And I love that you're going after your dream. And, and, and I know you having just graduated during mm-hmm. the pandemic, you, you're in the ripe age to just go all out, go all out. So what are some of the major barriers that you've observed for persons with disabilities in the workforce? I think the biggest barrier that needs to be addressed is the attitudinal barriers. So the attitudes towards how people perceive disability. A lot of people mm. are like, oh, people with disabilities can't work. Oh, they can only do such limited work. They can only do work part-time. They can only do entry-level positions. But, you know, changing those attitudes, changing people's perceptions is the biggest barrier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a TED Talk this morning, actually, and um, I just happened upon it. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a woman. She was standing on stage, and she started talking, and then she started to she's actually started to share that she has disabilities, but you can't mm-hmm. visibly see it. Mm-hmm. And this is, she talked about that she's partially deaf and she talked mm-hmm. about that she's partially blind. And mm-hmm. then she said, perhaps if I look like this, you would have, mm-hmm. see? and then, so somebody brought her glasses and a stick, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. and she was trying to say that, you know, we need to, it was really about shifting the mindset as to how, mm-hmm. what people think is a disability, like what disabilities are and that they're actually more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just about this personal sense of awareness constantly about your surroundings and, and not making, not just generalizing things. So what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. And so I let's talk about a lot about neurodiversity, which is a different type of disability. Mm-hmm. Again, but it's interesting with neurodiversity because not even the experience is neurodiversity, that includes autism, um, ADHD, you wanna, mental you, health. Can I, you want to start back a little bit and define it? Yes. And then after, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, neurodiversity, it's kind of like more of a neurological and people's differences. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of time previously people saw it as deficits. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, you, people have impacts how people interact and how people process the world around them. And we all process the world differently. And so, for example, I have, I'm autistic, I have CPTSD, which is all under the neurodiversity umbrella. Um, 
and so like kind of go back to what you talk about your TED talk, you can't tell by looking at someone. Yeah. And so there's a lot of invisible disabilities. And so just being mindful that things need to shift. Mm-hmm. Have you, were you, what's your story? Like, were you always mm-hmm. open to let people know what your disability was? Or is that something that courage you grew up? Yes. Yeah. As I grew up, um, also growing up, I had a speech impediment. I spoke too fast. Sometimes I still do. Um, I stutter sometimes. I couldn't say my R's properly. And so that was very, it was very obvious that I had those speech struggles. And I had to leave class to go do speech therapy. And at the time, just like, this is this is my reality. And then I also worked, walked to my tippy toes, so I had that issue. And all these different little things. So, and But then people couldn't tell when like, my processing time was slow. Or, you know, I was diagnosed actually quite young with autism. But people, I didn't know what it meant. I was like, what does that mean? Mm. Like, and it looks different in girls than boys. So people like, I've kind of had to mask and I masked around my environment and blended in with certain people and certain individuals and could kind of change my personality to fit who I was hanging out with at that time. And it was very draining and I didn't realize how draining it was. And actually it took until the pandemic to realize, oh, like I knew I experienced these things and I experienced them differently, but it took me a second to like step back and be like, okay, who am I actually? What, you know, where do I want to go from here? Mm. You know, it takes me back to what you said in terms of your most empowering mm-hmm. thought. Like you are really actually doing it <laughs> because mm-hmm. I work daily with people that mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who don't have the courage and mm-hmm. they don't have to endure half of the things that you talked about, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's actually really inspiring, very motivating for people, very empowering, which is what this mm-hmm. podcast is all about. So we spoke about the barriers earlier. Mm-hmm. What are some ways from your experience that we can actually really start as human beings, just addressing this in our day-to-day interactions with others. Mm -hmm. I think you need to just be aware that you don't know people's struggles. You know, you can tell by looking at someone, just be kind, you know, you know, you never know what someone's going through. Um, A lot of times too, like when people either use wheelchairs or use canes, but like when you see people, people, Oh, like don't, don't stare you know, all these different things and this kind of like this perception, but it's like, you know, go up to them, say hi, just, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, they, and a lot of times too, people like assume people need help when it comes to, when they see mm-hmm. that they're physically struggling, but, you know, so sometimes like if it's like ask them if they need help, mm-hmm. talk to people, get awareness, you know, we do research, you know, just get to know more. And then also, especially with autism, a lot of people are like, Oh, well, I have a nephew that's autistic and you don't act like him and you don't really understand yeah. where your biases are and how to change those. It's obviously not going to happen in a day, but you know, just being like, Oh, why do I have this bias? Mm-hmm. Is it because what I've seen before, what I've seen in media, because media can sometimes screw our perceptions and just really understanding your own bias and that, you know, you're not a bad person for having bias. We all have bias, but start realizing how you can start to change your perception. You know, I love what you just said. You know, you're not a bad person because you have bias. Mm -hmm. I think you become ignorant when you don't ask yourself what biases do you have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then that could bring out a bad person. (laughs) (laughs) So I really love the way that you frame that up. Right. Like I. It is really about. I think before you even ask somebody questions, Mm -hmm. there's so much questions that we can ask our own selves about. Mm -hmm our biases, you know, and I give mm-hmm. everyone permission to say, yeah, I have biases, own it, but know mm-hmm. what they are 
And then start to ask yourself, how can I start to address these biases? And it could be simple as mm -hmm. pick up a book, you know, talk about it with somebody else, get some advice. Google? <laughs> Google. <laughs> I love Google chat GPT. Um, but yeah, I think it's that awareness piece. So we started the conversation. I, you, I, I mean, I came mm -hmm. on, like I said, it's not only your smile, it's just your overall disposition and aura. So I feel like there's just something that you're like, what are you looking most forward to just in life in general, right? I think keep doing the, t the thing, you know, just, um, I suffered really bad with depression and mental health in high school. And I was like, is this going to get the best of me? Like it really, it really thought I was like at the end of my wits. And so now I'm just like, I'm living the life that I want to live, you know, and really understanding, okay, what I, at the high level, I've always wanted to change the world. Like mm. that's just, I'm you there. know, yeah, I, I think but everyone's, oh, every little girl wants to change the world. And it's like, but we, we all have the power to change the world in a little area and, you know, with every third niche and just finding our voice. And so, yeah, just finding my voice and continue to, you know, change my voice and develop and just and live my life. Yeah. And uh, something that you just touched on, and uh, I'm just going to take us back mm -hmm. there for a minute. You talked about, you know, starting your career coming out of high school, oh, university, sorry, and, mm -hmm. um, or Sheridan college and getting mm -hmm. into the HR field. It was a university program. It was university. <laughs> okay. University. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, starting, you know, sort of in that HR and then getting to a point where you realize, wait, this is, well, this is great. And I'm learning. There's just mm -hmm. something that I'm more passionate about. Mm -hmm. What was the, like, what are some of the, like, I think we always have a little bit of a tickle that tells us we're mm -hmm. potentially not doing what we are most passionate about. What was that for you? Like, how did you know there was just a niche that was forming for you? I think, like what I said, I did the presentation at Skills for Change. I like the other aspects that I was doing within HR, but when I was doing like the AODA policies, when I was doing these presentations about accessibility, that's when I just like, I was so excited okay. <laughs> to mm -hmm. do the work mm -hmm. and I'm still like helping HR become more accessible and business practices because it's still tied together. But I was just like, it's, I need to focus on this yeah. because it's so under looked at. And yeah. I was like, I have this voice. I have this perspective. I, I know this area. Yeah. I can make some changes in this area. So that was like, I like HR. And my parents are like, oh, but the stability of having an actual HR job. And I'm like, I'm making more of an impact this way. I'm doing what I love. Mm -hmm. I, like I'm speaking at events. Like I've always wanted to speak and just, it, it just feels right. Yeah. You feel, you feel right. I love it. Yes. So this is, I mean, you graduated in 2020 and um, yeah. I'm not trying to continue to remind you, but mm -hmm. I'm just, so it's about ma making my next point. Mm -hmm. I've been in the workforce for 20 something years, <laughs> 27 <laughs> years or so. And this is, I mean, this is obviously wasn't a topic like 27 years back, but mm -hmm. I would say for at least the last, you know, 10, 11 years, there mm -hmm. has definitely been such a huge focus on, you know, it started off with, I think, diversity, and then we mm -hmm. got into inclusion, and then there's equity, and then there's been accessibility. It's been a long road that we're still mm -hmm. on. And the advancements, you know, are a little bit are slower than one could hope. Mm -hmm. you know? How do you stay motivated in this line of work? 
I think a lot of people think it's competitive in this line of work, but it's so collaborative and I'm mm. so thankful. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> um, because a lot of people are like, oh, you're competing for, it's, you know, it's highly competitive. There's so many different diversity and inclusion specialists, but we all have our unique niche within mm. diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility and belonging. There's so many different acronyms, um, but, you know, really understanding, okay, oh, this is what you focus on. You focus on racism and uh, gender expression in the workplace okay cool i focus on accessibility how can we collaborate mm-hmm. how can we you know and so really understanding that we all and it's a lot of work you know like you said it's been how many years like 11 years shipping at it slowly and so it takes all of us it takes really it takes a village of us that are committed to this work and knowing that i'm not alone in this work and then when i do do my consulting or when i do my trainings you know people are like hey you changed my perspective in that that just that's incredible. Yeah. And uh, I, I really actually like what you said is not competitive. It's collaborative. Gosh, I wish almost every industry was like that, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's a really great way at, at uh, framing it up. And uh, right now, when you think about like your growth and, and where you're, where you're continuously diving into, what are you, what are you working at excelling at right now? I'm looking at, you know, growing my skills. I, really understanding and honing in where do I, where do I understand and, you know, knowing where I can help, but also knowing where, where, where am I lacking and also being more friend, being more confident, like especially when you, I own my own business. And so the hardest part sometimes is pricing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's still very <laughs> difficult. And it's like, okay, how much do I charge for this? Because I just love it. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm just charging for being me sometimes, even though I'm like, no, I'm providing a service and providing value mm-hmm. and kind of, I kind of have to separate myself from it, it is. My business is me, yeah. but it's also, it's, it's so much more than me yeah. at the same time. And you carry a lot of value. So don't ever forget that when you're pricing yourself. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I say start but at 500. It, it, it's a commonality though, between all like um, external consultants and DI just with like, how do you price? Yeah. I would say start at $500 billion and negotiate down from there. <laughs> <laughs> That's on my vision board. Actually, my number is 500 billion. I'm like, okay, well let's start at 500 billion and then let's negotiate down from there. <laughs> So, I like I'm, <laughs> so I'm now going to take you through some rapid thrivers. Mm-hmm. When you think of someone who inspires you, who comes first to mind? My mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's like we, it's the way she's, because she, my mom's a nurse, mm-hmm. the context. And she's like, oh, I want to change the nursing landscape. She's like, I'm just, I'm just a tired black woman now. I, I can't do it anymore, kid. Right. But I'm like, you're still doing the thing. You're showing up. You're doing your best. You're helping your patients. She's in an occupational health nurse position. So she more helps employees on the side, but it's like you're still her patients. And I'm like, you're showing up. You, you work so hard. Yeah, I know it's hard. You've had a lot of barriers to overcome. Again, I, I said that my mom lost her mom young. Her mom wanted to be a nurse also. And you just, you know, you're showing up and you're doing your best. And I see it. And, you know, it, it means I'm like, you're just doing your best. And I appreciate it. I love that. I love that. Thank you, Mama. Uh, <laughs> what's a daily activity that helps you with your thrive? I think a daily activity that helps me with my thrive is decompressing with my dog Oreo. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> because you know, it's, it's you know, it's balance, right? So it's like understanding that little I have a big presentation or when I get off a big meeting, I I'm like, I did it, I did it, and you know, just having her love and just you know having that safe space. 
and then getting back at it is, is very beneficial to I me. I love it. And your dog's name again is Oreo. 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 Are they white and black? And so she's she's um, white and black, and she's also reverse brindle, which means she has like brown spots. Okay. Okay. I love that. <laughs> she's beautiful. She's beautiful. Yeah, like, your dog's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I get that all the time. <laughs> and uh, what is a book that, what's a book that's helped you with your thrive? I think, um, sorry, not sorry by Naya Rivera, uh, the audio book. Mm-hmm. It's cause it's about her life story and just her, like how she, you know, she also struggled and then she, before she ultimately passed away, sadly in 2020, um, you know, she was living life on her terms now and she was so comfortable and comfortable in her skin. And previously she wasn't comfortable in her skin. And just really understanding, what, you know, even though she unfortunately, like I said, passed away, but she was had a path of where she wanted mm-hmm. to go, and and then saying how success looks different to everyone, mm-hmm. and she's like, success isn't defined by what others want; it's by what you want for yourself. Ooh. And so I think that plays in the back of my mind as mm-hmm. I'm literally doing what I'm doing because mm-hmm. I'm like, people are like, "Are you sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing?" Like, you could be having a stable career, nine to five, and I still work nine to five, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it looks a little different. And so just be like, okay, it doesn't, it, if it makes sense to me, if it's, if it seems like success to me, I can't, I, don't know, I can't say the word today. Um, it just, um, it empowers my ability to thrive. I love that. I love that. What is an app that helps you with your thrive? Uh, my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it, oh, right. It's an app, right? Yeah. It's a, the Microsoft to-do list. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, I had it. On my, I have it on my laptop, and then because like, I still have things to do on the weekend, like even though it's like more like errands and things. But I was like, I need a to do list. Yeah. And really, my mom's actually off today, and she's like, "What do you have to do today to do?" And then I showed her my to do list. She's like, "That's a lot of things." I'm like, "Yeah, mom, that's <laughs> <laughs> <Have> a job." <laughs> and what is one misconception that people have of you as they see you in your thrive? With so many ones because it's complicated because um you again you can't tell by looking at me that I have disabilities or you know, people sometimes think that I'm a white woman with a spray tan and all these different things and think, oh, how do you experience That's diversity? I haven't heard that before. I'm a white woman. It's with a it's it's interesting. Just okay. like what? What does that even mean? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm biracial people. <laughs> um but you know, people are like, well, oh, you didn't experience diversity. You know, you just, you just, you're just jumping on the bandwagon, mm. right? To talk about these things. And it's like, no, I had the lived experience since I was a little girl and growing up in Canada and experiencing the world around me and mm. just being mindful that my stories and my experiences shaped why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, so, where do we find more of you online? Yeah, so I have a business website called accessiblecreates.ca, or you can type in uh, Sydney Elaine Butler on LinkedIn to connect with me on LinkedIn. Okay, I will put all of your links in the Mm -hmm. show notes. And as a final parting question, this Mm -hmm. uh, podcast is called Empowered in My Skin, Mm -hmm. and would love you to share what that means to you. I think Empowered in My Skin means... I, I look at a picture of my little me, like five years old, and, you know, really being like, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of my girl. Do I have so much more to go? Do I have so much more to learn? Yes. But have I overcome a lot and done a lot? Also, yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And so 
being empowered in my own skin, it means I can see my progress, but I can also see my potential progress. (laughs) I can see my progress and I can also see my potential progress. Yes, you are doing it. I was, I have another (laughs) name for this this episode, but if I change my mind, it might be, I'm doing it. I am doing it. You are doing it. I'm so excited to have had this opportunity to have shared energy with you. I am pretty sure that we're going to continue that we are going to work on something else together. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, I, I like your energy too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've already cool. had some thoughts kind of s- circulating in my <laughs> brain. And, uh, but thank you so much, Sydney. Thank you for how you're showing up for the world. Thank you for just actually wanting to be a global changer and you're already doing it and you, and just continue to express your value <laughs> because you are truly, truly, truly valuable. Thank you so much. And to everyone that's listening, this is sadly where I have to say we're out. (laughs) Bye-bye. There you have it. I trust you are feeling more empowered in your skin. As the late Dr. Maya Angelou said, when you get, you give. When you learn, you teach. So it would mean so much for us at EIMS if you would share this episode and tag us or teach an insight that you took from today's episode on your socials and tag us. Feel free to leave us a review over at iTunes and follow us on social media at Empowered in My Skin. Finally, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you soon.